0: Today on the show, we're talking about allowances. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name is Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor. And thank you so much for being here with us this week as we talk about allowances. So last week, we got an email from one of our listeners, Brett, who asked a question about allowances. And we thought, why not answer him via email when we could answer him by making a whole podcast dedicated to his fantastic question.
1: Yeah, so back in episode 55, we did the show. It was called For the Love of Money. And in that show, we talked about, you know, a very small piece of the show. We talked about how um, me and my wife, we, we give ourselves allowances, like spending money. And, and Brett has asked a question about that.
0: So read Brett's question. He said, Hi, Courtney and Trevor. In the last episode, Trevor mentioned that he and his wife had a mad money set aside, which is a certain amount of money they can use to spend on things an allowance. I was wondering if he would be willing to share how much this amount was since I'm trying to figure out what a good amount would be for me and my future wife who I'm marrying soon. I know it obviously depends on income, etc. But I was just curious as to what Trevor and his wife use for an amount since it obviously works for them. Great work with the podcast, by the way. I love listening to you guys and hope you do more podcasts about relationships in the future since it is something I am just beginning to figure out. Example, how to split up accounts, tax advantages, how bills are handled, etc. So Brett, thank you so much for your question. It's again, it's a fantastic question and we have a whole episode dedicated to answering it. So Trevor, let's lead off before we even get into Brett's question. Let's just lead off with why allowances are important.
1: So I, I look at allowances as, as if you think of a, a kid getting an allowance, you know, one of your children, by giving them an allowance, you're you're letting them participate in an economy, you know, an economy where you exchange money for goods and services. And if you were to just pay your child's way, then they're really not participating in the economy, right? You are on their behalf. So it's important to introduce your children to to how an economy works good and bad by giving them an allowance and and letting them you know spend their money and and, and get goods and services in return.
0: So Trevor to lead into talking about children's allowances a lot of the times at least when I was growing up and I'm I'm sure maybe a lot of your colleagues or friends uh, voiced how they treated allowances but there was this idea that children would earn allowances through work or chores or some kind of contribution around the home.
1: Yeah, this is a r- real flawed approach to allowances as far as I'm concerned. If, if you're going to pay your, your kids to, you know, shovel the driveway or cut the grass or clean the room, then they, you've kind of lost the teaching moment that you should want to do those things because you want to live in a, a tidy, orderly house not, not because you're going to get money. I I think you need to separate learning the value of work from earning money. And I don't think earning money as a result of your day-to-day, you know, survival in in the world in, in that, you know, maybe packing a lunch for school, cleaning your room, I don't know, practicing personal hygiene. I, I, I've heard people getting allowances for that, <laughs> uh, those, those kinds of rewards you might get into with the, the slippery slope where you can't get your kid to do anything unless you open your wallet. That might work with some kids who are just natural hard workers, you know, and you, you pay them, but there's other kids. They need to be motivated to, to live a responsible life outside of being rewarded with money.
0: Hearing your perspective on this, does this relate to how you raised your kids around allowances, or are you reflecting on how you wish you would have raised them?
1: No, I I gave my kids allowance to teach them how to manage money, how to participate in the economy, and I also motivate them to do, you know, carry their load around the house and, and participate in household chores. I kept those two things very separate.
0: Because you separated the two, do you think the, well, hopefully contribution of your children around the house would have looked a little bit different? And and how do you, are are they helpful around the house now? Like what what's the outcome that you've seen?
1: You know, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I, I have three, three children and their personalities are vastly different. And my son was very diligent and hardworking and would often do the work that was the responsibility of others. So for him, I I always had to tell him to, to stop working, you know, take it easy, have some fun. You're a kid. And then I I had another child who will remain nameless, who, who was less eager to participate in, in carrying their own, their own sort of fair share, forget doing somebody else's. And I had to constantly motivate that one to do their part. So In giving them money, I don't know that that would have changed that outcome at all.
0: So, no, and and that's, I like that you kind of laid out the spectrum of where your children fall along helping around the home because it really does illustrate that money doesn't, did not correspond to how diligent your children were around the home. So, taking this, you can really apply and see that allowance really isn't tied to hard work.
1: And, you know, when you combine work, and money you're really um enforcing the concept that you you should be willing to do anything for money when really i would hope my children would would maybe pursue something you know they're they're very passionate about or more passionate about in sacrifice a little bit of money you know so you you would you would trade a little bit of money for for a a very enjoyable job that, that you could do And and not it wouldn't suck the life out of you, so. But if you're just if you raise your kids where you know you work for money, work for money, I think you end up be willing. You're willing to do anything for money.
0: It's it's a fabulous point, and it's crazy to think that the decisions that you make as a parent really do instill these lifelong values in your kids, especially especially pertaining to money, which. Makes this world go round, which is why we have a whole podcast dedicated to it because we feel it's important. Can do you have any examples uh, with your coworkers or or friends where they maybe used money as an incentive to get their kids to do things?
1: Well, I know I had one friend where they would they would pay their kids to write Christmas cards out on on their behalf to family and friends, and I would hope that you know, if they wanted to write Christmas cards, they were doing it for the, the, the desire to, you know, wish somebody a Merry Christmas, not because they were going to collect a windfall from it.
0: That's, that's really funny that you brought up the example of Christmas cards, because I specifically remember one of my childhood Christmases. I, I remember that I took it on myself and it's something I really wanted to do, but I wrote Christmas cards to all of my family and friends, um, all our extended family, all our extended friends. Um, and I, I took that on upon myself and I did it because I wanted to do it. So it's, it's crazy the polar opposite between uh, your friend and uh, my own ambitions when I was younger.
1: But this entrepreneurial child that I happen to know who was very entrepreneurial, they, they looked at any and every opportunity to turn something into money. So that that's kind of the, the slippery slope that you could go down.
0: So I want to keep moving on and, again, delving deeper into the idea of children's allowances. And did did you use, I want to talk about, I guess, the amount. So was the amount, it, it probably wasn't, was it a significant amount or was it more the amount was used as a, more of a teaching method?
1: It was definitely a teaching tool. And the amount grew over time, not because they earned it, but because their lifestyle required it. Almost like so, almost
0: like a mini inflation in their economy.
1: Well, and, and their as a child, you know, your wants and desires tend to grow as you you get older. But I, I gave my kids enough allowance so they could save up for, you know, gifts for friends and families, and their day to day expenses. You know, if they were to go out with some friends to a fast food restaurant, they they would have money to buy something there. I, although I don't want them eating there every day, it would be an occasional thing. Or if they went to the movies, they'd have money. I, I wanted to create a situation where they had to make financial decisions that I didn't, I, it would have been just as easy for me to just give them the money every time they wanted to do something and control uh, what they did from from that standpoint. But they wouldn't have learned anything about money. And I wanted them to have enough money where they they could they could experience these two extremes. So one is you save up your money and you have this, this huge savings of money and, and you might, you know, maybe saving up to buy something significant, but that feeling of security, knowing you have this big bankroll of money, and then I would encourage them at some point t- to just spend it all and just drain their account, you know, buy that whatever you want because I want them to experience the feeling of having no money and that, that exposure, that, that vulnerableness of, of being broke I wanted them to experience that when the stakes are really low, when they're, they're young enough to to understand it, but obviously they still live at home. I mean they're not going to starve, but those two extremes are important, so I, I mentioned I have kids with different personalities. well my my son is a, is a natural saver, and I could have just stood back and let him just stack up cash in his bank account till he could you know he had more money than he could ever spend I mean that
0: that's a, that's a but, parent's dream right there
1: but but he would he would have learned nothing from that. He would have just learned that uh, he's a natural, he wouldn't have even learned he's a natural saver. He would just think, I, I can save money, but he wouldn't have learned how to manage money or he, he wouldn't have learned the, the vulnerability of having no money when the stakes are really low when he's young. And then, so my, my, one of my daughters, she was a natural spender and I wanted her to know what it felt like to have this huge, not huge, but this this, this savings amount where you, you saved up this money over a period of time and you went, and you bought something significant rather than just spending, spending all the money you had every single week and li- literally living, I'll say paycheck to paycheck. So I, I wanted, wanted her to experience what it was like to save up f- for a goal and, and get that significant thing. So I, I, motivated my children differently based on their personalities and their tendencies but I think I accomplished the same thing with both of them.
0: I want to talk about again the deaccumulation phase. Where I, I, I just
1: I just want to interrupt for a second. I know Brett's question was about adult allowances, but we're talking about allowances as most people associate them with children, and and I think w- what we're going to get to is uh, eventually is that they serve different purposes. So I just wanted to. I, I don't want our listeners to think we're ignoring Brett's question because we haven't even begun to answer it.
0: When you mentioned that you would kind of encourage your children to to deplete their uh, accumulation of money, did did they know that I mean, was there the sense of panic that I have no money left, or were you and your wife quick to uh, quote unquote bail them out? Or, or what was what was kind of the atmosphere around um, not having enough money?
1: well, this sounds cruel, but again, it's it's all about, it was a teaching experience. So I, I wanted them to spend all their money and then have something come up where if they had money, they could have participated in something. Now, I, I'm not ruthless. I mean, if it was a chance, you know, I'll call it once in a lifetime, I I would obviously bail them out and, and, and fund that particular activity. But I, I was hoping something would come up where they would have to say, I can't, I have no money. Again, I'm not cruel. I want, I mean, they're kids and they, they got to have, they're going to have fun. I mean, but, but I was hoping something would come up where they would have to say, I can't cause I have no money. Otherwise nothing's really learned.
0: So, so they know, they knew then that you wouldn't come along and just bail them out. They knew the allowance was, was more, more or less real life in that it, it they didn't, they didn't see it as a teaching tool. They actually saw it as something that was their own.
1: I don't think they understood it was a teaching experience. They were probably too young to understand that I was trying to teach them. I'm sure from their viewpoint, it, it seemed like cruel and unusual punishment, but it, it really was in their best interest.
0: What I'm getting at is just that in their world, the situation they were living in really did mimic maybe the situation an adult would live in with their own paycheck and that they, they make decisions and there is consequences. So I, I, I like the really, it, it's kind of a small scale version of everyone else's uh, adult real life.
1: Yeah, it was to get, it was the roller coaster ride of life, but on a very small scale.
0: I want to ask you, at what age did you start giving your kids allowances and, and what, and did you feel that was an appropriate time?
1: Well, it started at 12 and I kind of, you can't really, there's no sense in giving them much of an allowance if they're always in your care. So it was kind of at 12 where you could, you know, let them go to the mall or, or be with some friends out out of your sort of care. Any any time before that, it it might've been 13 actually, now that I think about it, but any time before that, and you're really, you're coaching them because they're with you all the time anyway. So you're kind of coaching their spending. You're there to do it, which kind of defeats the purpose.
0: I want to get a little bit nitty gritty here for a second, just in case there are any parents listening who, who do want to implement an allowance system. Can you talk about the actual practicality of how the actual system that you implemented with your kids and, and how did that work?
1: So I tried to encourage them that they, they needed to, you know, really break it into three buckets. So are we, are we talking
0: safe. like literal buckets? Is that, uh, well,
1: it started out as, as literal buckets, okay. like little, little three individual piggy banks. So the first one was for saving for something in the future. Uh, the second one was for, you know, gifts for friends and family because those things happen. And the third was for that week's spending, you know, so whatever they plan to spend that week. So actually that there was only two piggy banks because the the third one was that went into their pocket. So it, I kind of broken into three things and that pretty much worked. I mean, it, it, it took some coaching with, you know, to motivate my, my son to to spend the weekly spending money. And for my daughter, it took uh, some encouragement to put some in the savings.
0: It sounds like paying attention. I mean, for any of our listeners who are parents, it sounds like it's so important to pay attention to then your kid's natural tendencies because, I mean, pushing pushing your son, pushing all your children to save would have been very counterintuitive for your son.
1: Oh, he would have learned absolutely nothing. He He would have... He would have had this false sense of security that, that that's how life worked, right? Because he didn't have any bills to pay. So it was, in, you definitely want your child to experience the peaks and valleys of finance.
0: And, and again, I'm going to reiterate what better time than when under the safe, secure um, house, literal house of, uh, of family?
1: When the stakes are low. Oh,
0: exactly. So uh, let's, let's move forward a little bit. We're kind of doing this, I, we're kind of progressively. We're starting at 13. We're kind of moving a little bit older. So I want to talk about managing money from a plastic standpoint. So the introduction of debit cards and then, and maybe then slowly into credit cards.
1: You know, in our society today, you know, people say oh, you need to teach your, your kids the value of money. And I know a coworker once said to me that their kids couldn't count out money, like you would get your change counted out to you at a store. And I don't know if that's a skill that's that's going to be that valuable in the future. I mean, everybody's paying with debit cards and credit cards, so it's. I think understanding the concept that there there's a bank account behind this debit card, and you you need to know how much is in there and the frequency that money's going in and how to determine what your balance is. That's a skill. I mean, we take it for granted, but a child needs to learn that at some point. I I know my my youngest daughter used to have this terminology, and I. I I kept correcting her. She said, my debit card is empty. And, and I said, no, your bank account is empty. The debit card is nothing more than a means to access that bank account. And it took a long time, but th- that was her terminology. And that's how she thought. This card is empty. And And I knew she didn't understand every time she said that.
0: When you got your kids' debit cards, did you was it a new learning process or did it kind of seamlessly move from cash to debit? And, and what was, what was the learning steps and curves there?
1: Well, there was a learning process because they, they understood, you know, papers and coins as a currency and, and they gained some skills from that. But, you know, with a debit card, you have to understand the the security aspect of it. You can't be, you know, you want to make sure nobody knows your PIN number and, you don't want to be losing that card. So it was a learning process in, in in that sense and going to the bank and putting money in and then using the debit card to get it out and paying at a, you know, getting money out of a bank machine, you know, using a debit card in a store, understanding that it's both coming from the same place. I mean, that was a learning exercise in itself.
0: I want to move on to talking about credit cards. So How did you or did you incorporate the idea of credit cards um, with with your own kids?
1: So credit cards are a a fact of life in our society. There's a lot of things you can only pay for with a credit card. For instance, if you wanted to buy something off Amazon, as far as I know, the only way you can do it is have a credit card associated with that account. So I, I think the earlier you can introduce your child to the concept of how a credit card works and the dangers associated with the credit card, the better off they'll be. And I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they just sort of, and you need to be responsible yourself because your kids are going to pick up from your terminology. Like if if they get, if you're somebody who just pays the minimum balance and, and you're always complaining about the interest charges that you're on your credit card, your child's going to think that's normal and that that becomes the new normal. That, that that's, that's okay in their mind if, if that's all you ever talk about. At, at the dinner table or just in the house and your kids overhear it. So I think it starts with you being a responsible credit card user yourself and understanding that your your kids will, they need to learn how to be responsible credit card users. And the only way they can do that is by using a credit card. Now it's a little unnerving to just hand a credit card over to a, a teenager and say, see you later, hope it all works out. I mean, you need to understand that it, there, there's a, a bill that's gonna come in 30 days from now when you use that credit card and you need to show them that bill show them those charges and show them how to pay those charges.
0: It's funny you bring up credit cards and and, and having your parents work with you to to really keep an eye on it and and use it properly because I, I like I'm in I'm well into my 20s and, and my I actually ha- still have two credit cards. That are other are joint with my with my parents' credit cards. So, and this this again her start, this started probably when I uh, went to university. So it's it's been quite a while that we've been joint. But I mean, I could I could definitely have my own credit card now. But I still feel at my age that I'm st- I'm still learning how it works, and it's it's comforting to have someone else being able to log into the credit card account and and see that everything is going okay and everything's getting paid correctly. So. I feel that it's, 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 it was, it's been super valuable to have that joint accountant and something that I, I think, uh, was, it was something that I, am very thankful for.
1: It's easy to, you know, to develop bad habits. If, if your point of reference changes and you're around a bunch of people or friends of your own age that use credit cards carelessly, that, that could become your new normal, your new point of reference and you might start using it carelessly just to keep up with your friends and having a parent monitoring your, you know, the, the type of things you're using your credit card for, that that could be helpful to have somebody in your life who's, who's sort of, you know, your recent check saying, you know, hey, this looks like it's getting out of hand. I mean, it's, it is your money, but to have somebody sort of watching over you early in life is probably a good thing.
0: And and I want to add on that uh, some of our listeners may be really questioning the, how involved my parents are with my finances, and that I should, at my age, have all the freedom. And it, it goes back to the concept, Trevor. You always talk about having this, uh, having your wife as a sounding board, just to just to bounce things off of. And and that's really what my parents serve as. I mean, I'm I'm really close to uh, my my mom, who she's the one who actually um, looks at the statement with me, but I'm really close with her. But I think that point aside, I, I, she's my sounding board when it comes to the, my credit card use. And I'm thankful for that. And I think it's, it's valuable. And I I definitely, to any of our parents who are listening right now, this is something that has been truly, truly invaluable for me.
1: And it's on the parent to not use it as a tool to control. Oh, that's a great point. And if you're using it to control your child, it's not going to end well. I mean, it is. It is It's got to be a teaching, and that takes a lot of patience and understanding. It it can't be just my way or the highway.
0: So, Trevor, I I think we've really exhausted kind of leading into this allowance episode by talking about about the the first half of our life being a child. So, we're gonna lead into now talking about adult allowances, and and more specifically to answer Brett's question. So. To, to any of our listeners, maybe you haven't heard or you're unfamiliar with the concept of adult allowances. So Trevor, I, I want to ask you first, what's the huge main difference between adult allowance and a child's allowance?
1: So obviously an adult allowance is not a teaching tool, right? It's it's a spending tool. And I've been collecting an allowance and my wife has for probably, I'm going to say 10 years, maybe maybe 12 years. And it is a, it's a game changer. It really is. And it, it, it's a, it's a tool to, it's, as I said in the, the episode 55 for the love of money, it's, it's gives you guilt-free spending money that you don't have to answer to anybody on.
0: If I look around at all the other adults I know in my life, not many of them, I, at least if they're open about it, have an allowance. So where did the idea for adult allowances even come from?
1: Well, what would happen was we'd, we'd go through periods of deprivation where we wouldn't give ourselves any spending money of any kind and our, our needs and wants and desires would build up and build up and then we'd, we'd go out and we'd buy things that we, we wanted for, you know, just say some clothes or some things for hobbies. And once you got into that 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 peak of spending, you, you were kind of spending from a bottomless pit, right? You... you you're just spending out of your checking account or, or whatever, and you really had no sort of number in mind. You'd, you'd be clicking Amazon, buy now, and all sorts of things, and you wouldn't give it a second thought. It's, and your wife is doing that as well, and, and maybe you're doing it at the same time, and, and you have no idea how much she's spending. She has no idea how much you're spending. You get to the end of the month, hopefully you're looking at your finances at least once a month, and you go, oh my, well, you know, where did all this these expenses come from? So it it, it, it ends up with a, these peaks and valleys are hard to manage in your personal finances.
0: So we talked about what an adult allowance is. Let's talk about a few reasons for why it's a good idea to have an allowance as an adult.
1: So one thing it does is it kind of sets an example for your kids. Me and my wife purposely use the term allowance all the time when we're talking about our, our spent individual spending money. And I wanted our kids to know that we're working within similar constraints that they were, meaning... We had a limited supply of personal spending money, and and we always use the word allowance. And we were saving up, or you know, I'm spending my allowance, or this is what I'm going to do with my allowance. And that it gets ingrained in them as well. If they if they understand that, you know, as adults, you you still have constraints. So that that was important.
0: I I, lo- I just want to interrupt you there. I love that point because I'm sure I, all our listeners too, when they were kids, and when I was a kid. I I knew that my mom, my dad made made a lot more money, especially when I was little. So they made a more money than I could even dream of. So when when if if you, I'm sure your kids, when they heard you say, "Oh, I, I, my allowance," your your kids were probably like, "What?" But but mom and dad make this crazy amount of money. How, why do they have an allowance?
1: Yeah, so I think it's important that they they know that you're sort of on the same train they are. Uh, another reason for allowances is it's to get away from this uh, and i'm not saying every couple has this but if there's a an inequity in, in in the couple's earnings meaning one uh spouse earns significantly more than the other that doesn't necessarily mean you should be able to spend more money i think that that would create resentment and and that inequity would just fester and and, and nothing good would come from it so by getting equal allowances, you you end up, you know, breaking that earning, that I- earning inequity becomes a non-issue. So it, when, when when one spouse earns more than another, by you getting equal allowances, that, that becomes irrelevant. And, and I think that could be a, 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 could help a relationship a lot. And another thing, kind of on the same tone is, is you don't, uh, allowance is not a tool for masking you know, an underlying issue with with life partners not having aligned goals, aligned financial goals. So an allowance is not going to mask that problem. You, you know, if that exists, if you have, if your financial goals are not aligned as life partners, an allowance is not going to fix that. So that is... So kind of a,
0: so you're saying you're saying the 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 partner should first address any un, any financial problems before even introducing an allowance.
1: Yeah, like if if one spouse is, you know, never has enough money for a particular hobby they want to do. And I'll say it's a very expensive hobby like deep sea fishing or something crazy like that. If you have this very expensive hobby and it, 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 it requires a lot of money. But in that, that hobby jeopardizes your financial goals of early retirement or owning your own home or, or whatever. If that hobby is, is that expensive and it's getting in the way of your long-term goals, an allowance is not going to fix that. You know, that's not what it's designed for. So first, first and foremost, I think life partners need to, need to agree on their financial goals in life. And and an allowance should some be somewhat aligned with that.
0: So we're not going to talk about the benefits of having a personal allowance. So we talked about the reasons why, but let's talk about the actual huge benefits that you will reap from having an allowance as an adult.
1: Well, like I said earlier, one of the ones is that it stops this mentality that you're spending from a bottomless pit of a, of a family budget. You know, a checking account that has a, a $5,000 overdraft. I mean, if that's your your spending source you know that it 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 would appear bottomless to to a lot of people and so it it puts some parameters around your personal spending it, it, it's a mechanism to tell you you know you've spent enough and it also like we said in in the last uh, for the love of money episode 55 it's guilt-free money it's you don't have to answer anybody so if you want to spend this money on 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 senseless Things. No, nobody can judge you. That—that's what it represents. And even if you can't afford an allowance, you can't afford not to, just for the reasons I'd mentioned pre- previously. So it's—I think it's a game changer.
0: So just to recap, we talked about a child child allowances, adult allowances, and now we're finally getting getting into answering Brett's question. So we're gonna break down Brett's question a little bit. His main first question was how much.
1: So, Brett, the answer to that, and I will give you a dollar figure, but I just want to say that there's some considerations you have to think of. So, first you got to ask yourself, what is this allowance supposed to cover? So, what expenses am I supposed to cover with this allowance? And if I'm supposed to cover, you know, clothing, uh, gym memberships, uh, you know, an edit with my friends, golfing, you need to review, you know, what what expenses your allowance is going to cover versus what expenses your family budget is going to cover. And you you want to make sure those decisions are aligned with your financial goals. But some other considerations, so here's some of the things I struggled with. When I first started getting an allowance, one of the things I had was an Audible subscription. So it's a, it's a reoccurring fixed amount of money. The Audible subscription is every month. And it just does not make sense to have any reoccurring expenses come out of your allowance, like Audible, Netflix. Can, That's just.
0: Can I ask why?
1: Because it, it it ends up being just a reduction in your allowance. You know, it, it, it's it's already coming off the top. So you, you know, whatever amount you, you you were giving yourself, this fixed expense is already coming off of it. So, and I'm going to say these reoccurring expenses, so long. You and your partner both have reoccurring expenses in your family budget. There's probably some equity there. You know, you're probably, um, you know, if if there's an inequity where you personally have more reoccurring expenses than your partner, chances are you need to review those and 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 sort of. Uh, you don't have to be even dollar for dollar, but I mean, if if you have double the reoccurring expenses your your partner does, it's it's probably. Uh, an inequity there your your financial goals probably aren't aligned at some level
0: so you're saying that allowances should be dedicated to one off um non recurring expenses
1: yeah that's that's a uh, i've tested it the other way and it, it does not work well so that, that's for me that that that's a requirement
0: and just to clarify so if so if your partner doesn't think that your example audible subscription should go into the family budget. What do you do from there? Because, well, because you, I'm presuming that you listen to all the books, um, audio from audible as opposed to your wife.
1: Yeah. So, so, but my wife probably, ha- so, so my wife happens to have a yoga membership and I, I don't use that. And I mean, we're not keeping score, but we both have things we're interested in that we don't do together.
0: So so that's a key. I, I like that you said that. The key is to not keep score.
1: Yeah, because nothing good will come from that.
0: So you've, you've kind of just talked about what should not be included in adult allowances with subscriptions and reoccurring things. But can you talk a little bit about what should be?
1: Well, for instance, one, one of the things that we don't include in our allowances are what I call utility clothing. So utility clothing would be like a winter coat, winter boots. If you need special clothes for your job, you know, those aren't things you want. Those are things you need. So now there's a fine line when you you sort of move out of utility clothing and into fashion. You know, it's either it's the quantity of clothing or the, the style that costs more. Once you transition out of out of that, then you know, you're, you're kind of into your, uh, spending from your allowance. And it's, it's, again, we're not keeping score. You have to have a level of trust with your partner where, where with me and my wife, I often, you know, my wife will say, you know, she's going to, you know, look what she bought with her allowance. And I said, well, you shouldn't spend your allowance on that. That's like, that's a, that's, for your job, you know, why would you spend your allowance on that? Actually, one thing she, she took was a, a course for, for her job. She took an online course and she mentioned she was paying for that over allowance. I said, well, that's crazy. You know, that's part of your job. You, that's not allowance money. That's personal. I mean, that's family money like out of the family budget. So we, we actually are, you know, are trying to convince each other that it's not your allowance. So there's a level of trust there that I think you need to have for this to work.
0: You talked about clothing. Is there anything else that for you and your wife personally falls into the allowance category?
1: Well, if it depending how much your allowance is, if you wanted to buy, say, a, a MacBook computer, if your allowance is twenty dollars a week, well it's gonna take you like three years to save up for a, a computer, that that just doesn't make sense, right? So sometimes the big ticket items that to me you get over a certain dollar amount and and your allowance wasn't meant to cover that. You know,
0: kind of like when you, when it may be a child allowance where the idea that they're saving up for something and then maybe the parent will help them out.
1: Yeah. That's another opportunity as well. Like if you have like a thousand dollar mountain bike or something, I mean, it it just, and you're getting $20 a week in allowance. That's just a number. I'm not, I'm just throwing it out there. It, It just, the math isn't going to work. You're not going to get that bike like forever. So that, that's something that big ticket items. And again, we're not keeping score, but chances are my wife's buying something at some point in time of a similar amount. I mean, I, we're not keeping score, but we're, we we get the odd frill in our lives and it all, it all seems to equal out in the end.
0: What about on the entertainment level thing? I mean, that, that comes across to me as something that's fun. Where does that fit in?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, with entertainment, if we're so sometimes I'll I'll take my wife out to the movies. So you know, I'll use my allowance to take my wife to the movie. What an opportunity to 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 do something nice for her at my expense. So by having allowance, it allows me to to do that. I at Valentine's Day, I buy my wife flowers out of my allowance money because I, you know, something I'm doing for her.
0: I, I absolutely love those examples because as you're saying this, I mean, I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing, but it honestly sounds like something a, a child or a teenager would think like going out for dinner. It's coming to my allowance. I I take my girlfriend out to dinner or my boyfriend. It comes out of my allowance. Like the concept is so rudimentary, but, but it's incredible how it can be applied into an adult level. And maybe that's why it, adult allowances is not more common or or maybe it is common but not as as focused on as it should be
1: yeah it, it seems to work for us again i can't stress that you you can't be trying to keep score because it, it 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 literally falls apart if you are
0: it it sounds like to me where you and your wife again like you said have so much love and trust for each other that you you want to see the other person and not not run their allowance dry but but you really have a lot of empathy for them to that that you want things to be included in the family budget when they can
1: you know it works if if you're constantly trying to motivate your partner to you know to to buy that thing and just take it out of the family money or i'll take it out of my allowance you know if you're constantly doing that you know it's working
0: so continue on with uh, brett's first question we asked how much and, and you said trevor that it depends on what is being included so Based on what's being included, can you put a dollar amount to how much?
1: Well, it it definitely how much you make it would definitely impact the number. But also, what are your front your your you and your partner's long term financial goals, even short term as well? You have to take that into consideration. You don't want to be collecting a hundred dollars a week each in an allowance, and and you're not able to save up for retirement or to buy a house or whatever you might want to do. So it, it needs to make proportional sense, but I've tried a couple of numbers. So we tried $20 a week each, and that was not enough for, you know, and what, what happened is we ended up with a manufactured financial frustration. So we ended up, you know, by getting $20 a week, you know, I ran out of money before the end of the week and I get frustrated and my, my wife being the saver, she didn't, but I manufactured this problem that didn't exist before. And I thought, this is crazy. I've just created this, this environment where I get all antsy because I've run out of money. And I've, I've actually did it to myself. So we, we actually increased it to $50 a week. And that turned out to be too much money.
0: So when you say too much, how, how did you even know that was too much? I mean, I'm sure everyone is willing to take on more money when when offered more money.
1: So obviously too much money is going to show up in, in the form of things you buy. So I ended up acquiring things that I didn't really need. You know, I ended up with more luxury items than, than really fit my lifestyle and didn't really align with my long-term goals. So I was buying multiple electronic gadgets that I couldn't possibly use all at the same time. Um, My wife was buying clothes and and shoes that, that maybe you know, she would just wear on rare occasions. And we found we were, we were living more luxurious than in our personal spending lives than we were in the rest of our lives, you know, so they, they kind of were out of balance. So knowing you're getting too much money is harder to identify than not getting enough, obviously, but you need to look for those kind of signs where you're take some more time to think about your purchase. Whereas if you've got this big bankroll of money, you're just sort of just one clicking Amazon all the time.
0: But I, I find that incredible that you are, you and your wife were able to really, I mean, that, that's, I, that's admirable that you were able to really evaluate what you're spending your money on it and fine tune it that much. I mean, I, I think it's hard to be able to look at the luxuries in your life and say, Oh, I probably don't need these anymore.
1: Well, it was, it didn't, it didn't happen soon enough. You know, we, it, it, it was months before we figured out, you know, we're getting, we have too much money here. We're, we're, we're spending, you know, we're going out for dinner when we, you know, more often than we ever did. And we're, we're buying books and things we wouldn't have bought, you know, just on a whim. So our our whole mentality had changed toward our our personal spending. So I knew, we knew we were getting too much because we just weren't, weren't, acting in a fiscally responsible manner with it when it comes to our allowance
0: and i, I just want i just want to underlie again just uh and reclarify that this became apparent apparent or the reason you changed it was not that you didn't like these nice things was because you were moving too far away from your long-term financial goal of of in your case retiring early
1: yeah it just they they our allowance and our financial goals were not aligned at all
0: and i and 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 because it takes a big motivation to be like, oh, I don't want these nice things anymore. But I mean, what bigger motivation than your long term goals? So, I, I to our listeners who are maybe skeptical, it's, I, I. don't think there's any more bigger goal or more important goal than your long term goal.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Yeah. So you've kind of touched on what what amount didn't work in in both the lo- the the low and the high spectrum. So so what's that sweet spot in the middle?
1: So Brett, the the long answer to your short question is the, the, the amount of allowance we get every week is $30. And it works for us, and it's been working for quite some time. And we, we make exceptions. Sometimes, you know, the occasional thing we'll buy and, and then maybe pool in a little bit of family money. But for the most part, it, it, we've been managing with $30 a week each, and it seems to meet all of our needs. So
0: I, I just want to highlight the fact that thirty dollars is not a huge amount of money, and I, I'm I'm gonna be the voice of maybe our skeptical listeners out there that says, "Does Does that actually like thirty dollars? How long has that actually been working for you?"
1: I'm gonna say probably ten years, but remember we we are living a fairly frugal lifestyle because of our desire to retire early, and that lines up well with a a fr- I'll say a fairly frugal allowance. So again, those two goals are, are pretty well aligned.
0: And in and, and that perspective, that, that makes complete sense. Well, Trevor, that brings us to the end of this episode. Brett, we hope we've answered your question. And any of our other listeners, if you have a pressing question that you would like us to answer here on the podcast, email us or hit up our contact submission form. And we'd, uh, we'd love to bring you some answers to your hard-hitting questions. Thanks again for tuning in and until next week, keep it simple.